Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Uh, here with me today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Mark Tully out of uh, Southern California, I believe Huntington Beach. And uh, Mark is recently retired, along with... He is an ambassador for Southern California, so we've got a lot to talk about. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dell. I had a big smile across my face while you were saying recently retired, because that's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I remember meeting you back when you still were working and, uh, you know, truly involved in what we were doing, but it's great to hear you talk on the other side of that line for a difference. Um, let's do this. You've been on before, but... It's a whole new people listen to us every time we go on the air. So why don't you share a little bit about your background? Okay. So um, I went to college, North Carolina, uh, Davidson College, got out of school and came back to Southern California, actually took a detour and went over and worked in Europe for a year, which was actually a great experience for me. Got to work in London and work in Amsterdam at some different jobs and uh, travel around. And then I ended up back in Southern California. Started my teaching career, uh, taught for three years in a couple of Christian schools, and then moved into public schools. And I had a 34-year career in the public schools, so I taught 37 years, mostly middle school, mostly math. And uh, along the way, I I was reading and trying to learn about passive income, and, and ended up coming across Lifestyles Unlimited. I'm curious, because uh, I've got three direct family members, uh, two uncles and a, and a great uncle, that uh, all are professors in colleges and have been either professors and or administrators of colleges. So they've all got pensions, and they're, they're very uh, amored <laughs> uh, by those pensions. They, they really feel like that's the way to go. And obviously, they, it did them well. So I'm not putting it down. But I'm just like, why, if you've been a teacher for 30 years, there's obviously got to be a pension tied in there somewhere. What made you think you needed to extend that payday with uh, a retirement plan? Well, I do have a pension. And I think, uh, if, if I'm correct, it's somewhere around maybe two-thirds is what I get of what I what I earned in my last few years of teaching. And so I look at my pension and I say, well, my pension is nice and there are a lot of jobs that don't have a pension, but if I retired on my pension, I would have a lower standard of living than I had when I was teaching. And I would also be, you know, wondering, do I have enough money to go on this trip? Do I have enough money? My kids are about to go into college. Do I have enough money to send them to school? And, you know, a lot of those kind of things. And so I think that, you know, I realized that if I, learn through Lifestyles Unlimited how to invest and how to grow my my money, then I would, you know, get to the point where 
you know, I would have my money continuing to grow and sort of get into an asset snowball where I've heard you talk about, you say, I make more every year than I made the year before. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't retire until I got to the point where I felt like my investments were going to continue to grow on their own. And if anything, I would be in a better position next year than I am this year. Very good point. And I'm glad you picked that up from the conversations uh, out there because it's something most people don't understand is that they think that the second you retire that your income's stagnant or goes down. And uh, that just doesn't have to happen. So um, let's let's go back here to when you first heard about us. How did you hear about Lifestyles Unlimited and how did you get to the first meeting? I think I was searching online on, on iTunes and just looking for real estate podcasts. You know, I had, I had started reading a lot of books when I was teaching, you know, early on. You know, I read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read The Richest Man in Babylon and Multiple Streams of Income and those kind of books, a lot of real estate books. And I was just wanting to learn more about real estate. And so I, I stumbled upon Lifestyles Unlimited one day and downloaded the podcasts and started to listen to them. And uh, it just made a lot of sense. And I was excited to find it. And, you know, so I just continued to listen, continued to listen and eventually joined in 2013 as an FFP member at the basic level and took the two-day online and, you know, went from there. So um, when you went to the two-day and taking it online, it's not as um, exciting, I would say, as taking it live, but you do get the information. What aha moments did you have, uh, being that you're in you know, teaching math, you obviously have an analytical structure behind your thought process. Uh, what, what aha moments did you run into? Well, I think one of the biggest ones for me is, you know, I had started investing in real estate, so I didn't join Lifestyles until 2013 at the at the beginning level. I had bought a fourplex with my mom. We had gone in as partners in 2001, and I had, had a single-family home. When my wife and I got married, she had a home, and so we we moved into one of course and we rented out the other and so eventually i ended up with seven doors i had a a fourplex and three single family homes through a couple of different ways of obtaining those and really what i wanted to do was to learn how to manage those and one of the biggest things that i learned probably not only at the at the two-day online but also just listening to the radio show was how to screen tenants because you know, Lifestyles taught that if I learned how to screen tenants correctly in residents that I could avoid 98%, 99% of what you call the purple Martians, you know, the people that are going to cause trouble in your property. And, you know, over the years, I, I did a pretty good job after learning about that. I did have one before I learned about that that I didn't do so well and caused me some, some headaches. And so I think just learning how to run what I was already doing was, was my main uh, impetus for getting into the two-day and just learning about that. Since you came in to learn how to do single-family housing, what prompted you to decide to look into multifamily, which you started doing right after that? Yeah, so I think I, I continued to listen to the podcast. I always like to listen to them. And a lot of the guests you had on were either lead investors or maybe some of the passives. And, you know, I started hearing about some of the returns that people were getting on these multifamily communities. And, you know, my properties out in California weren't cash flowing much at all. I mean, they were, I didn't have to put any of my own money in them. They were self-sustaining properties, but, and they were growing in appreciation, but I ended up having a lot of debt equity in these properties and not a lot of cash flow coming out of them. And so I 
think I was just really intrigued with the idea of getting some of the money out of some of these properties and putting it into other investments where I was passive and I didn't have to do the work, but my money and my investments were going to grow from there. So um, when did that start to happen, this changeover in thought process? Because I see that you really started investing multifamily. I think the notes here say about 2018, uh, but you've been a member since 2013. How long did it take for you to make that decision to change over? I think just over time. I, I did not join as a preferred investor member, a PIG member, until 2018. Uh, I came out to Palm Springs, and I don't know if you remember that trip back then, but you came out for a Meet Dell event, and then uh, a month later, I I brought my wife uh, back to hear Brian Sifford do the two-day in Palm Springs, and that was the first time that I had ever actually had sort of hands-on experience with lifestyles. Other than that, it had all been, because I was in California, it had all just been through the podcast, and so just to get a hands-on approach, and I met Steve Anderson when I came out here, who was, I think, already one of your first ambassadors at the time. And, and so he and I, you know, he was the first person that I ever met that was actually in multifamily deals and so on. And so I think it was just over a course of time, I, I decided after hearing people on the podcast that something I wanted to look into. So when you decided to do that, how did you decide you were going to take that approach? Uh, did you take the money out of the single-family rentals that you already had? Did you take the money out of some other savings you had? How did you approach that? Yeah, for the most part, I think we did a couple of refinances to start out with. Uh, there were some refinances, and then also um, over the last four years, we've also sold off those homes. And so as we would sell off a home, then I would reinvest that money into multifamily. And I think, you know, when I talked to you in 2018, I was about seven months into the Preferred Investor Group program, and I was in seven deals. And so for those first couple of years, you know, until you go full cycle, I was just investing, investing. Here with me today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Mark Tully out of Huntington Beach, California. And Mark has recently retired, and uh, we're celebrating that also. He's also one of our ambassadors for Southern California, so we would thank him for that. Mark, as we get into this about the multifamily investments you went into, uh, what was your plan? Were you looking at uh, just... I'm trying to think value plays, or were you looking at yield plays, or were you open to both? Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at your strategy here. What, what were you trying to do? I didn't have a super specific, you know, I wanted to be in all value or I wanted to be in all um, of a certain type of investment. I, you know, was still just getting started, and so I wasn't even really considering where retirement was going to be yet. So I was open to both kinds of investments. I noticed that um, as I was looking through your portfolio that you have, whether consciously or not consciously, gotten into deals with the bigger name people in our group. And I don't know if that's good or that's bad. I'm not I'm not making a judgment call on that. But I'm saying these are the well-known people. Was that something that you uh, did on purpose or is it just so happened you lucked into being with all these big name guys? Uh, I think, you know, some of them I had heard on your show, and so I I was excited to meet them when I came to the expo. Sometimes I would try to track those leads down and get to know them a little bit. And so, you know, if I heard somebody had returned 100% or more 10 or 12 times, which I did on the show once or twice, um, then I would 
Yeah, I would look and try to find those people. So I would say yes, I did sort of, you know, go toward the bigger names. How about location diversification? Did you try to spread it out at all? Yeah, I started uh, most everything at the beginning was in Texas, and then I felt like I was getting, you know, with lifestyle spreading around the country, I wanted to diversify and get into some other areas. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, Steve Anderson and I are pretty close. We talk a lot, and he, you know, had made connections with a lot of the leads that were in Phoenix, and so I ended up in Tucson, actually, and so I ended up investing a number in Arizona. And then just recently this year have gotten into a deal in Indiana and one in Tennessee and one in Florida. And I, I like the idea of being in different places, different states, and diversifying across the country like that. So as these things started to play out, you, you've got into 24 different deals, I think I saw, and you sold seven of them. I was interested in your, um, your thought process because you had some big winners and then you had one small loser. What what did you think about that when you had one that just didn't make it over the hump? And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was just curious what your thought process was with that. Uh, that it didn't slow you down and you just and kept on doing it, and then went and had some big home run hits. So right. Well, I, you know, I think you know, no real estate can be risky. I think we take a lot of the risk out of it by. The education we have and the leads a lot of times that I've invested with have um, had a track record of, you know, being in a number of deals. The one deal that I did get in that lost money was a first-time lead, um, somebody that I had met at the expo, and uh, she seemed to be very sharp. And, you know, I thought, you know, this would be a good person to invest with. And, you know, I think that the deal didn't do all that well for a number of reasons. Um, I've asked a couple of the mentors about it and what they thought about it and why that happened. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't a terrible loss. I think I lost, uh, you know, a little money on that deal, but it was more than made up for by uh, a number of the other deals that have sold in the last couple of years. Well, I just wanted to use it as an example of, uh, you know, real estate's pretty forgiving. Every once in a while, though, a deal can be unsuccessful. Or in many cases, you know, there's there's all degrees of unsuccessful. There's broke and lost all your money, and then there's lost a few few bucks because it wasn't that profitable. And I think that was way more with what you ran into. So as we move on here, um, what was it or how did you know, it's a better way to say it, that you had hit that point where the revolving door of money in, money out was going to actually be able to sustain you and that you knew that you were ready to retire? What was the flag to you that, hey, I think I'm there? Yeah, I sort of looked at my my um, teacher's pension, and I knew that was my baseline. And I thought, you know, I needed to get to the point where I felt like, you know, the asset snowball, like we mentioned earlier, was going to continue to grow. And it's really just been in the last year, year and a half, where I saw a couple of these deals go full cycle. Um, I've had four deals now that have returned to me over 100%. Um, total return, and I've got another one that's in the process of selling. And so once I saw that, and that was sort of my proof of concept, and I said, okay, I've been putting money into these deals for two or three years now. And at the beginning, you know, you're just putting money in, but you just have to wait for time to go by to complete the cycle. And I think once the cycle started to complete, then I, I felt comfortable because I was seeing the good returns coming in. I got you. That makes sense. 
because it really is a process. You have to go through the whole process to get to that those larger gains on the back end. So when you decided to go ahead and retire, were people surprised? I mean, 30 years of being a teacher and then you stop? <laughs> yeah, I think they were. I mean, I, they would have been more surprised if I was uh, maybe 40 instead of 60. So I was, you know, like I said, I think I've shaved two to five years off of my teaching career. But um, And so I did have teachers that, and even neighbors that I have that were sort of like, what, you're not working anymore? Because, you know, they're still working and they're still going to their job. And um, so there were definitely people that were surprised. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I wasn't that far shy of where I would have retired anyway. The main thing for me was just to feel comfortable that, like we talked about earlier, we continue to grow and, and I wouldn't be <laughs> having to just pinch pennies for the rest pinch pinch pennies for the rest of my life. So as you uh, made that decision, I see that uh, in your notes here that there was a lot of changes that went on psychologically for you. You want to try to share with people what happens when you uh, make that decision? Because I, I myself understand that's a big move at any age to say I'm letting go of something I've been doing. It's my security. It's my life. It's who I am. You know, now take away my title. You know, how, how did you get through all that? What changes? I'm still in the process, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I've been... I usually had summers off anyway as a teacher, and school has been back in maybe a month and a half. And so in some ways, I don't know if I've fully understood that, you know, I'm not going back to work. I look at the clock every now and then, and I I think if I was teaching, you know, I'd be in third period right now. Um, but, you know, so I've had advice from a couple of people, don't overschedule your time right away, because some people go from working and then they go out and start volunteering and, you know, <laughs> pretty soon their schedule's full again. And I tell you the truth, I've had a number of days where I didn't do a whole lot except for realize that I didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, I've got hobbies and I've got different things, and my kids are both in high school. Let's take a break on that one right there, and when we come back, we'll talk more about how you're adapting to this new position in life. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer, not because that's the way it's set up, but because of the knowledge. When put into action, knowledge is power at Lifestyles Unlimited. We empower you to live the lifestyle of your dreams through passive real estate income, For over 30 years, our successful members share their knowledge through case studies, classes, and mentoring. Tap into the knowledge. Attend a free workshop online. Register now at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. And by the way, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or any other show, remember, you can always reach me at AskDell at L-U-I-N-C.com. That's AskDell at L-U-I-N-C.com. Mark, as we went to break, we were just getting into what it's like to be newly retired. And uh, you were discussing that 
you hadn't got it all wrapped around your, your finger yet. You want to pick up from there? Is there anything more in that particular part you wanted to cover that we got cut off on? I think I hit most of it, but, you know, the main thing for me is that my kids are still in high school. They're a, a sophomore and a senior in high school, so, you know, they're only going to be around in the house for a couple more years, and I'm enjoying time to be with them, and I have different hobbies I like to work on, but I haven't. I'm sure that as time goes by, I'll get involved in some things, maybe outside of the house more, and maybe volunteering in some areas, but for now, I'm trying not to overschedule. <laughs> I can share with you, uh, experience-wise, that it, it, your your schedule gets filled right back up again. It doesn't matter that you don't have a job, and the, <laughs> you're you're right. The true, real benefit is being able to spend that time with those kids when they're there. Because my daughter's gone now, and you know, I don't know if you ever listen to the song "Cats in the Cradle," but it's about you know. Hey, if you don't get them when you're young, they're going to be gone. They're going to be too busy doing their life to come back and see you. When you've got all the time in the world, they're too busy. Just like you were too busy when they were young. So, yeah, that's absolutely important. Let's talk a little bit about that. Do you think that they can sense that, that you're around, and that does that mean something to them? Or is it are they too young to really wrap their arms around that yet? Like, oh, Dad, why are you with us all the time now? <laughs> No, I think that I think they realize that. And as a teacher, I was home in the summers, and you know, if I wanted to, I could come home at three o'clock. You know, and so I, I'm around and have been around, you know, more than somebody that maybe had to have a corporate job and, and work sixty hours a week. I had a little more flexibility on getting home early and being home in the summer. So it's not, in some ways, not all that different, but. Um, you know, I think they appreciate it, and I think they, you know, hopefully like having Dad around. <laughs> what about the wife? Uh, obviously, if you got off on summer, she's used to having you around. Is is she ready for this to be a full-time thing? I think so. You know, she's very busy as well. She's She's been a stay-at-home mom and taking care of the kids for all these years, but very involved in the high school. She's, you know, president of one of the organizations at the high school, and um, you know, in and out of the house a lot with different activities. So um, both of us are still staying busy. Gotcha. So let's uh, talk about the Curtis Haynes effect that uh, he has on us. As we get into retirement, we start talking about this thing called the family office. What have you um, come to the conclusion of in that aspect as far as how are you dealing with the family office? Well, as far as the family office goes, a couple things that I've taken away from Curtis. One is that, you know, he talks about he's got a lot of investments, and when he, you know, has something sell, one of his rules is that he needs to get that money back into action and keep the velocity of money going. And so he wants to redeploy money within 30 days. Um, and just the fact that he looks at, you know, running his portfolio and his family office as a, you know, almost as a job, as a responsibility to, you know, maximize what he can with his investments. And so that's something that I don't know that I always get things turned around in 30 days. I sold our last single family home and still have that money sitting on the sidelines. But um, that's one thing that I picked up. And then a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to be on a panel with him and we talked a lot about. Um, 
with other people how we're introducing lifestyles and real estate to our kids. And so that's that's another part of it is passing it on to the next generation. Speaking of passing it on, uh, you elected very early on to become an ambassador. Um, before we talk about you being an ambassador, let's talk about you coming into the event and meeting ambassadors and meeting people. Were you surprised how open people were about their finances here? Definitely. I mean, you know, one of the things that's so great is when you go to Lifestyles, and as a California member, you know, it was maybe some ambassador events that we had or going to the expo, but you always have the sense that everybody's for you and working with you and you're not competing against each other and they're willing to share what needs, you know, have been successful for them. And so the the environment, the culture that's been created in lifestyles is just it's an incredible it's an incredible group of people. So I, I always wondered if you could ever foresee as the creator of lifestyles where you would be now with forty to fifty thousand people around the country that are supporting each other and helping each other grow like this. You know, I always took it for granted, Mark, and I guess I'm just totally naive that because of what I did with the, you know, the 100, 200 people that I actually personally helped every day. And, yeah, I mean, not every day did I touch each person, but, you know, that when I was a consultant and they were my people to watch and take care of and nurture, it always happened. Everywhere I went, that's what happened. There was this big open event type situation because I was open. They were open. So, yeah, I never really thought it wouldn't be. In fact, I think it's naive to even think that it could be now that I look back at it. You know, I think about, you know, how many things would you not ever or get anybody to talk about? I mean, people don't even talk about finances to their family in most cases, I don't think. So I thought it was rather interesting. Right. Um, Along that same line, what I found to be interesting, though, and this is a one that I didn't foresee, is that many, many people have changed their group that they hang out with, that they associate with. And I don't know how to say it, Mark, without it sounding like, okay, well, we're leaving the poor people behind. I'm hanging out with the rich people. But... It's something to do with the mindset, the I guess the abundance mentality compared to the scarcity mentality that many, many people have started hanging out with and have created great friendships within the group. And they spend their time with those people. They go on vacations with those people that, you know, they become some of their closest confidants. Have you seen any of that, both yourself and as an ambassador? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I think on the opposite side of that, you know, when you try to sometimes share about lifestyles with somebody that has not maybe gone through the two-day training, you know, it's it's like a deer in headlights. They can't even really comprehend what you're talking about. And so when you're with people that have had that same training that you've had and have the same experiences you had and maybe they're in some of the deals that you're in, there's just a, a common bond that you have. And... Uh, you know, I've, I've made some really good friends through Lifestyles, people that I still continue to talk to on the phone on a weekly basis. And, you know, it's just um, Steve Anderson, who I mentioned before, is one of the guys that, you know, he was the first flesh and blood member that I ever met, and he helped me a lot. And as an ambassador, you know, that's my goal also is just to help facilitate events where people can get to know each other and 
and lifestyles can grow out in this neck of the woods. What made you decide to become an ambassador? I just really enjoy being a part of lifestyles. I, I enjoy all the events. I enjoy talking about real estate. I enjoy sharing my experiences. I look at how that made a difference to me. You know, when I retired, I was lifestyle sent me something and said, who was the main person that was, you know, responsible for your success in lifestyles? Was it a mentor? Was it a, you know, this person or that person? And I said, well, really it was an ambassador. And so if I can be that to somebody else and if I can, especially with the newer people, you know, people that have been around a lot, maybe don't, don't need, uh, you know, my, um, input as much, but just to help facilitate getting together and just helping out new people, I really enjoy. It's like the story I always tell about the chicken and the egg when it comes to a co-op. That is, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Or in other words, is it one person or is it a group of people? And I actually think it's one person who's willing to carry the flag, stick it in the ground and go, okay, here's where we're all meeting. And without that, that we really can't get there. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Mark Tully out of California. And, uh, Mark, as we come into our final segment here, I just wanted to ask you, as you've thought this out now, how do you see the rest of your life playing out? Because you really think about it. At this point now, you've got the money to do what you want to do. you got all your time back. It's a blank slate. Have you thought it through? What is the goal in life now? Where, where are you going? What are you going to get done you know, whether it be fun, whether it be give back, whether it be, you know, whatever. What? How do you see the plan or have you not got there yet? Yeah, I'm still, I think I'm still in process. I mean, I have different things that I have planned. I have books that I'm reading. I, I enjoy doing that. I have a book that I might like to write at one point. I have a couple of hobby websites that I, that I work on. Um, you know, really, I, I think once my kids are out of school, you know, out of high school and in college, you know, my wife and I might do some more traveling. Um, so I have lots of ideas of what I want to do, but, um, and I'm sure I'll probably get involved in some organizations, maybe do some volunteering, um, some work with my church and different things like that. But, uh, nothing's hard and fast yet because I'm still in the very beginning of it and don't want to, like I talked about earlier, over schedule and over commit too early. Have you thought about how important hobbies are? Um, I'm just bringing the topic up to talk about them with you. Because to me, to be able to get involved in something that's completely different than your expertise, than your daily activities, uh, or even your mainstay uh, of what you're all about, is so important because it stretches you and makes you do things that you can't do. I, I'm into guitar, and I can't play guitar, and, you know, I'm into health and fitness, and I'm old and shouldn't be into health and fitness, and, and you know, I'm into trains, and I know nothing about trains. You, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, all these things I have to struggle to, to get any benefit out of, and that's so different than everything else I do, which is so easy after many years of doing it. Have, have you thought about that and what kinds of hobbies you want to stretch in? Well, one of the things that I, I really enjoy basketball and, and Hall of Fame basketball, so I've created a website. I write, uh, you know, portfolio, or I write uh, little snippets about each of the Hall of Fame basketball players. My son and I went to uh, Springfield for the Hall of Fame induction when Kobe Bryant went into the Hall of Fame. And uh, so that's one of the things that I've done. I've got like a 200 page website, and, and I work on that continually. and 
really haven't done that though for a while. So that website's something that I enjoy a lot, and and want to take that out and expand that and get more involved in that. But um, like I said, yeah, I mean anything to keep you growing, keep you learning. I like to read. You know, sometimes they talk about. People out of college don't read nonfiction books, and I love reading nonfiction books because I like to continue to learn. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what about fitness? You talked about fitness. How, how do you see 60 years old and older staying fit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely don't have an excuse anymore for not having the time to get fit and to eat right. So, you know, I a couple of years ago, I, I really – did get probably in the best shape and, and eating right that I had been in in a while and have let that slip a little. So that's definitely on my goal list. I mean, I think as I get older, what's the use in doing all this and retiring early if I uh, eat and don't work out and put my body in such a place that, you know, I'm only going to live five more years and, you know, not have a good quality of life. So fitness is definitely something that's on the top of my list as far as just I feel like it's my responsibility to myself and my family to, you know, get that area, you know, more disciplined than it is and has been when I was working. Yeah, you look fit when I saw you, so I don't know. You said you got out of shape since then, but you look great when I saw you. Uh, let's talk about what would you say to someone who's thinking about this now? I know you're an ambassador, so you've got to touch a lot of brand-new people. Uh, what do you say to somebody that's sitting out there on the couch and is a skeptic? Do you, ha- do you have something that you say to those types of people going, like, yeah, I don't believe this. It's just, is this, uh, you know, like one of those midnight madness things or something for nothing or a multi-level marketing thing? Or How do you overcome that as an ambassador? I, I think my experience is when people are outside of lifestyles events, like I mentioned earlier, they, they have a really hard time grasping what lifestyles is all about. You know, I invited a friend of mine that I used to teach with to come and hear about it, and he even came to one of the free workshops. And, you know, he got a little bit, but a lot of people I talk to, it's just flies right over their head. On the other hand, when people show up for a lifestyles event or they show up at the expo or they show up anywhere where they, they've made a conscious decision to get there, I feel like those people are much more open and then you can share experience. And I, I would tell people to, you know, if you need to, start slowly, you know, get into one deal or, you know, see how it works because there's there's a point where, you know, you get full sense that this is real and there's a point before that where, you're not quite really sure. And so you have to, you know, going to the expo for me was big. When I saw four or 5,000 investors there, I'm like, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to fake four or 5,000, huh? Yeah. So um, when you did start, way back in the beginning, all right, a long time ago, was there anybody that was pulling your string going, ah, you know, giving you the negative type outlook on what you were doing this is you know waste of time whatever it's not real it's fake just like right now you're saying these people are coming in did somebody ever try to tell you that when you were coming in i don't think so i mean most of the people were very supportive i had some people that might have told me you know diversify i wouldn't put everything in real estate i would make sure you know you're putting some in the stock market and the mutual funds and all that, which I have very little, if any, you know, very little left in there, a little bit that I put in when I first started teaching. But, you know, that whole idea of putting all your eggs in one basket scares some people. But I think once you 
get into real estate and you see that if it's done correctly, the risk is a lot lower than what the average person thinks. That's a good place to stop right there. I think that's exactly right. And uh, for the rest of you out there, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. And the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.